Hey everybody and welcome to Parkview. My name is Nick Clayson. I am one of the student pastors here at Parkview and happy Mother's Day to all of you mothers out there. And also happy Mother's Day to my mom and my wife. Love you guys, you're the best. Hey, today we, in addition to celebrating our amazing moms, we are also going to be diving into a brand new series called How to Know the Will of God. Pastor Tim is preaching, we're very excited about it. Here in just a moment, we're going to throw to worship at our Orland Park campus. So sit back, enjoy that, and get ready to hop into a great message from Tim. But first, let me pray for us. God, thank you for today. Thank you for mothers and what they mean to all of us, Lord, regardless of our relationship with our own or where we're at with that. God, I just pray that today they'll feel especially loved and cared for uh, by us here at Parkview as well as their families. And Lord, as we prepare our hearts to listen to what you have for us to hear, God, help us to be obedient and help us to be receptive uh, and help us to take whatever next step you may have for us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Once again, thanks for being here. Happy Mother's Day. Welcome to church. Today he's doing a new thing. Now it springs up, do you not see it? He's making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland, giving strength to the weary and increasing the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary and young ones stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my strong right hand. So be strong today and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Well, what's going on, Parkview? Would you guys stand and sing with us? Happy Mother's Day to all the moms. We love you. Come on, let's worship together. We worship the God who was, because we worship the God who is, and we worship the God who evermore will be. He opened the prison doors and he parted the raging sea. My God, he holds the victory. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. We won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place.
we royalty and we were the prisoners and now we're running free because we are forgiven accepted redeemed by his grace let the house of the lord sing his praise come on church sing that because we were the beggars and now we're Be quiet. 
can I pray for us? God, we just want to say thank you for your goodness, for your faithfulness, Lord. And Lord, we pray an extra blessing over the moms with us today, Lord. They mean so much to us, how they care for us, how they love us, how they support us, God. Lord, will we continue to experience you in this place today? It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, thanks for worshiping. You guys can have a seat. Well, hey everyone, so glad that you are here this weekend. And if you are new to our church, really glad that you're here. My name's Chad. I'm one of the campus pastors around here. And if you're around the building or even online with us, thanks for joining with us. You know, over these uh, last few months, we've been able to make an incredible impact, uh, not just here locally, but also globally, in places like the Ukraine. Uh, and so because of our partnership with Convoy of Hope, we've been able to do some incredible things. Uh, and we've got a message from our, the director of Convoy Hope that wants to share something with you. Check this out. Hello, everyone at Parkview Christian. We just wanted to take a moment to say thank you. Several weeks ago, the people of Ukraine woke up to a life-altering conflict in their country. More than 11 million men, women, and children have been forced to leave their homes. Many of them have fled to neighboring countries. But in these desperate moments, you stepped up to help your Ukrainian neighbors with extravagant love. Your sacrificial gift is providing food, bedding, hygiene kits, shelter, and other desperately needed relief supplies. Not only are you making a difference in your community, you're also impacting the world. Thank you for being such a phenomenal partner. Let's keep delivering hope together. Isn't that great? That's good stuff right there. You know, uh, one of my favorite verses comes from Ecclesiastes. It says that two are better than one, right? Because there's more return work for the, put, the work they put in. And when we do things together, we get to do stuff like that. And so I want to invite you to join us. I want to invite you to participate and help us make a difference. There's a couple ways that you can do that. Uh, you can grab the white envelope in front of you. You could put your gift in there and leave it as you, uh, at the doors as you leave today. Or you can go online throughout the service to parkviewchurch.info. Or you can even just text the word GIVE to 65649 and be a part of all that God's doing through our church here at Parkview. Uh, if you were here last week, then you remember that Mike Singletary was here. For those of you here, did you have a good weekend? That was pretty good stuff. We're glad that he was here. And uh, if you were here, then you know that we were giving away a raffle. And so without further ado, I want to announce the winners of those of you who have won a Mike Singletary signed memorabilia. Those are Marty, Bill, Beth, Herman, Tom, Eloise, Marsha, and Sarah. Those are our winners. And so if that's you, uh, head on out to guest info today after service. Bring your ID with you so we know who you are. Uh, and you'll be able to pick up one of your gifts. Uh, next weekend, we've got a great experience for you. It's called Discover Parkview. And so if you are newer to our church and you'd like to hear more about all that's uh, taking place around here, uh, figure out some ways to get connected, uh, meet some people, get to meet our staff, we would love to meet you. Uh, it's next Sunday at 10 a.m. It's a one-hour experience. You'll need to register online, but we would love to have you and meet you and tell you a little bit about our church. 1 Corinthians 13 reminds us that love protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres, and it never fails. And that's certainly true of God's love for you and God's love for me. And my hope today is that you'll get to experience a little bit of that. We're glad you made it this weekend. Welcome to Parkview.
Happy Mother's Day to all of you. We are so glad to have you here. Even if you're not a mom, welcome, welcome, welcome. We're, uh, we're so glad to have you online at Homer Glen at New Lenox and, and here at Learn Park. Um, I love the story. One mother was asked if she was starting over, would she have children again? And she said, yeah, not the same ones, but yeah. Um, moms, we feel you. Um, and then again, you make us laugh sometimes, like when you don't understand text language. Uh, I just, I, I, I can't help but love this, right? What does IDK, L-Y, and T-T-Y-L mean? I don't know, love you, talk to you later. Okay, I'll ask your sister. Come on. Your great aunt just passed away, LOL. Why is that funny? It's not funny, David, what do you mean? Mom, LOL means laugh out loud. Oh my goodness, I thought it meant lots of love. Now I have to call everyone back. It's a beautiful day here, let's look at this view. Mom, your, your finger is covering the lens. Oops, can you see it now? You can't just send the same picture, you have to take another one. Wait, go back, I didn't finish it. Go back. There you go. How about now? Looks great, Mom. There you go. All right. Um, one more. Now we can go. Here we go. Please stop changing the Google logo so much. I like the original one. Mom, I don't change the Google. Google changes it. On my computer, you don't run the Google? If I did, I wouldn't be driving a 2004 Ford. <laughs> Please don't text me for the next hour. I'm going to be on the treadmill. I wasn't planning on texting you. What did I just say? <laughs> Listen, I understand, um, I understand all of the emotions. Um, understand, I, don't, I, I can't feel them. I understand all of the emotions of Mother's Day. Several years ago, I ran across this, um, this little prayer for moms and, and all the different situations. And I would just like to read it for you again and have a prayer for us as we begin. To those who gave birth this year to your first child, we celebrate with you. To those who lost a child this year, we mourn with you. To those who are in the trenches with little ones every day and wear the badge of food stains, we appreciate you. To those who experience loss this year through miscarriage, failed adoptions, or running away, we mourn with you. To those who walk the hard path of infertility, fraught with pokes, prods, tears, and disappointment, we walk with you. Forgive us when we say foolish things. We don't mean to make this harder than it is. To those who are foster moms and mentor moms and spiritual moms, we need you. To those who have warm and close relationships with your children, we celebrate with you. To those who have disappointment, heartache, and distance with your children, we sit with you. To those who lost their mothers this year, we grieve with you. To those who experienced abuse at the hands of your own mother, we acknowledge your experience. To those who lived through driving tests, medical tests, and the overall testing of motherhood, we are better for having you in our midst. To those who will have emptier nests in the upcoming year, we grieve and rejoice with you. And to those who are pregnant with new life, both expected and surprised, we anticipate with you. This Mother's Day, to all of you, no matter what, we walk with you. Let me pray for us as we get started. Lord, uh, first of all, I'm thankful that my mom's watching, and she was the best mom in the world, and I'm grateful to be able to have another Mother's Day with her here on this earth that I can say thank you to her. And, um, and I'm grateful for my wife being such an amazing mom, and and having three daughters that are amazing moms. I mean, the, the motherhood thing 
is deep within us. But even in our own family, we are missing Denise's mom on Mother's Day. Um, we've had some of these situations going on in our own family this year, and we are the very, very blessed ones because there's so many mixed emotions with all of this. So I uh, pray for all of us today. Um, it's, it's Mother's Day uh, because you said to honor our mother and father, and that's one of the Ten Commandments, so we do it. At the same time, we acknowledge that it's not always easy. At the same time, we pray for those who are suffering um, because it's a special day, and it doesn't mean that to them. Um, we just ask your blessing, and in the case of everyone, Lord, what we pray is your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray this. Amen. I'm starting a series today um, about how to know the will of God, okay? So I'm going to talk about it with motherhood, but it will apply to you no matter what is going on in your life because it's really important that uh, little part I just threw in there from the Lord's Prayer, thy will be done. How do you know what thy will be done is? And Paul said, therefore, don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. So most of you are like, yes, please, right? Tell me what the Lord's will is. I would love to know God's will. I'm lost in 2022, and I would love to know it. Well, good news for you. I found the answer me Jesus, okay? Um, I don't know if it's still available. I've had it for quite a while, and, um, and it, it, it's, uh, it's basically a magic eight ball. You guys remember the magic eight balls? Okay. So, so you can take, and, and he's pink, and I know that's weird. I, I didn't make it, <clears throat> okay? You, you take Jesus, and, and you shake it up, and, and here's the funny thing. Um, it's so old, I can't even read it anymore, but, but some of the answers are uh, resist the devil, or I would, or have faith, or I still love you, or I died for this, that's funny, or repent, right? So, so you, you could get the will of God this way, and I'm just going to leave pink Jesus up here, because a lot of people, when it comes to figuring out their life, I mean, the pink Jesus could be the internet, right? <laughs> well, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to look it up on the internet. I'm going to figure it out. Well, there's a lot of people that have, you know, I mean, is this, if this is all you're going to do, it's probably not going to, it's not going to do you a lot of good. Pink Jesus could represent your friends. I'm just going to ask my friends. I, I, I got good friends. I want to ask them what they think. Well, sure, that might work and it might not. You, you don't know their experience. You don't know. So, so this is not, and let me caution you here, okay? This is not about finding the best parking space, Okay or if you should get a cat. You already know God's will in that area, okay, right? <laughs> Don't get a cat, okay, that's what I thought. So let me explain how this works, okay? If I was your GPS app and you asked me to direct you to Dayton, Ohio, okay? I would send you out I-80, but you would still have free will when it came to stopping for gas or food, or in my case, how many times you stopped to go to the bathroom, okay? If you choose to take a little diversion because you want to go through Amish country and, you know, get some cheese or something, you can do that. You might not get there as fast, but, but I'll get you back on track when you need it. And that's how you need to understand God's will, okay? And actually, sometimes God's positioning satellite, if you will, will take you on some crazy routes to get you where you are going. Like if you use Waze or, you know, whatever you use to determine where the cops are, I mean, where you're, where you're going, um, 
And, and sometimes it tells you to get off at the next exit, and you know that doesn't make sense, and you know it would be faster to stay on the internet. You've got to trust that the folks in social media telling ways know that there is probably a wreck or some major road construction ahead, and you got to listen to the little man as Kramer used to say, right? you got to listen to the detour and take the detour. Otherwise, you're going to be stuck right there in traffic. So one of the primary ways that God will direct and guide you, okay, is not about the little things. It's not about whether I should get off of this exit or how many times I should stop for lunch or, or, or where or whatever, right? The, 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 the big picture vision is how God uses things, okay? The big picture vision is I want to get to Dayton, Ohio. I don't know why you want to do that, but I want to get to Dayton, Ohio, okay? That is the clear vision. And, and the thing is, the clearer the vision is for your life, the less choices you have, you know? I mean, you're not going to go east, you're not going to go to Iowa. I mean, you're not going to go south. I mean, you're, you're, going, to go, you're going to go where you're supposed to go. I mean, you're not going to go west. I, I, I don't even know. See, that's why I need GPS. You're, you might go a little bit north and, and uh, you know, you're going to go east. That's how it's going to work, right? That's the big picture vision of where you're going. And the clearer that gets, the less choices you have to make. In other words, what I'm saying is a vision is basically a destination where you want to end up. It is a mental image of what could be fueled by a conviction that this should be true in my life, okay? It's the could and the should put together. It's basically like I know what could be and I know what should be, and I'm going to put them together, and this is the picture, not that I think I have of my life, but that I believe God has of my life, and what he wants to happen in my marriage, in my family, in my job, in my finances, in my relationships. And here's what Andy Stanley says. <clears throat> As the vision gets clear, the options get fewer, and the decisions get easier. Let me say that again. As the vision gets clear, the options get fewer, and the decisions get easier. Isn't that true? <clears throat> Anybody here like to put puzzles together? Raise your hands at the campuses. Okay, all right. My dad is a big puzzle guy. I'm not a puzzle guy. ADHD and puzzles don't work together. So <clears throat> here's what I, I want to ask you. Which of these puzzles would you rather put together? Okay, you know, the one, the one somebody threw in a bag, they already put it together and they lost the picture or the one that has the picture here. And I know you're curious just because I know you are. This is, a, this is, <laughs> this is the Tiger King puzzle, okay? In case you want it, uh, come up here after the third service because I don't, okay? The, the whole point here, <clears throat> the whole point here is that you need a picture to know where you're going, Okay? And, and the vision is like the lid on the puzzle piece, okay? Because you can, you can look at the bag, you can put them all out on the table, on your little card table, and that can get frustrating. That's why I don't do it, okay? Like, okay, there's some blue ones and some yellow ones. I'm going to go watch television, right? That's, that's the deal. But, but if you want to know what you're going to do, you've got to have the big picture. This isn't Again, about just setting goals for your life, though. This is about, we're at church, okay? This is about what God's goals are for your life. What God thinks could be and what God thinks should be a part of your life. 
And the weird thing is that most of us have our Eiffel Tower thing professionally, right? Or, or, or at least you did until the pandemic, right? You were like, well, I'm, I'm, I know I'm going to do this and I want to work into that. And, you know, these are my expectations. These are my goals. Maybe you even had like a five-year plan back in the day. Remember when we used to have like plans that involved years <laughs> instead of weeks? I mean, that, you know, that, that, that was your deal, okay? But how about personally? Well, I'm married and I have five kids and five years from now, I hope my marriage is better and I hope my kids are better or gone. That's not much of a plan, is it? That's not. It really isn't. So does God have a will for your life? I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Yes, he does. Think about it for a second. Do you know what the plan is? You say, Some of you might say, well, I have no idea, Tim. And some of you would say, well, yeah, I probably do, okay? Either way, we're going to talk about it for the next three weeks, today and the next three weeks. Pastor Todd's going to help me as well. We're going to be talking about this. I want to take you to Nehemiah today, and I want to show you uh, an illustration of a guy who had this figured out, and it determined everything else that he did, okay? Quick context, Nehemiah was a servant to the king who had conquered and enslaved God's people. This was part of God's judgment against Israel because of idolatry. So they're enslaved by this other king, right? But Nehemiah was a good servant. This, if this sounds a little bit like Daniel, it's kind of the same kind of story. He had worked his way up into being a servant for the king. And God gives him, while he's 800 miles away, a burden for Jerusalem, for the holy city, okay? And long story short, Nehemiah gets the opportunity to go back and build the walls. It's a cool story. I love, I love taking you through the whole story. But he arrives, and there are all kinds of problems. There's dissension from within. There's attacks from without. So for months, he prays before he does anything. And then he spends a couple of months getting everything put together And uh, meanwhile, some of the leaders in the area, in that part of the world, are not happy about the fact that he's gone back to rebuild the wall around Jerusalem. They're afraid it's going to become a military force to be reckoned with, and they like not having any enemies there. So in in Nehemiah 6, I'm telling you the very brief version of the story, when word came to Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem, the Arab, and the rest of our enemies, that I had rebuilt the wall and not a gap was left in it, okay, he's already done here. Sanballat and Geshem sent me a message. Come, let us meet together in one of the villages on the plain of Ono. And here's what happened. They realized that that the wall was going to get finished, and they decide that they're going to make a plan to take out the leader. The plain of Ono was a place that was about 20 miles north of the wall of the project, okay? And they came up with this scheme to plan to take out Nehemiah. It says, but they were scheming to harm me, so I sent messengers to them with this reply. I'm carrying on a great project, and I cannot go down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and go down to you? Four times they sent me the same message, and each time I gave them the same answer. And here is the answer. I am doing a great work, and I cannot come down. I'm doing a great work, and I cannot come down. Say that with me. 
I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. You see what I'm saying here? When it comes to the will of God, when you figure out that it's Dayton, Ohio, when you figure out that it's the Eiffel Tower, when you figure out what that is, then it makes everything a little bit different, okay? Uh, Just imagine this messenger comes to Nehemiah, maybe, you know, shaking the ladder a little bit. Hey, Nehemiah, Sanballat, he's this important guy, right? He says he wants to meet you on the plain of Ono. And Nehemiah pauses, maybe wipes the sweat off his brow and says, no, I can't, I'm doing a great work here. I cannot come down. Four times it happens. I'm doing a great work here and I cannot come down. And he says, if you've heard me preach this vision thing from Nehemiah before, he says, oh no, I'm not going to Ono. Oh All right, say that with me. Oh no, I'm not going to Ono. Oh okay. Oh no, I'm not going to Iowa. Iowa's west. (laughs) I'm not going to Iowa. I'm going to Ohio, okay? I'm doing God's will, and I'm not coming down. I have a picture of what God wants. I don't know why God wants the Eiffel Tower, but that's my picture, okay? I know what that is, so as I start to put my life together, everything else revolves around that. And the significance of that phrase is anything that contributes to rebuilding the wall was a yes, And anything that distracted him from rebuilding the wall was a no. It made decision-making very easy for Nehemiah. I am doing a great work, and I cannot come down. Because Nehemiah knew that he had a God vision for his life. He knew what it was supposed to look like. The vision is a picture that we arrive at by, and we'll talk about this over the next couple of weeks, by the, guided by the principles and the standards of God's word and what he puts in our heart. So how does this, how does this work for Mother's Day? My wife and I, our number one goal for our children was to have a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. That caused us to prioritize decisions. It was very easy to decide between sending our children to soccer camp or to church camp. There was no option whether they were going to go to church or to youth programs or whatever. It meant paying for a lot of things, you know, like camps and and Christ and Youth Conference and going on missions trips. And it meant for us taking them on some because our big picture was for our girls, I have three daughters, it's for our girls to grow up and have a growing relationship with Jesus. And we had that value because that was something that we were brought up with. Denise and I had parents who did the same thing for us, right? I mean, in some ways, I kind of wish my parents would have encouraged me more in sports, I think. I would have been a good sumo wrestler, but they, you know, I played a little baseball. I played sports, whatever I was interested in, but, but there was never any really big push there. Um, and then again, when it came to church, there was never not a push there, okay? I talk about having a drug problem, right? I was drugged to church on Sunday morning, drugged to church on Sunday night, drugged to church on Wednesday night. When I was growing up, I never once woke up on Sunday morning wondering whether we were going to go to church. Unless I was losing bodily fluids, I was going to church Sunday morning and Sunday night. I never, ever saw the beginning of the Wizard of Oz when I was little, 
because they always showed it on Sunday night, and I usually didn't get home until about the time those flying monkeys showed up. Didn't you hate those flying monkeys? So, so our vision for our girls was the same as how we had been raised. And I had a very proud moment last weekend. I was out with our staff and uh, just a few staff and some of our elders uh, on Saturday night with Mike Singletary. And we were just going around this table. And I invited Tommy, my son-in-law, uh, who led worship last weekend for us. And uh, we were just going around talking about how we got to Parkview. <laughs> and Tommy's story is uh, he, got the, he got to Parkview because he had a thing for my daughter. And, uh, and she was definitely interested in him, but he wasn't really following Jesus. And when he started talking about dating, she said, oh no to oh no. She said, I can't be in a relationship with someone who doesn't follow Jesus. So he decided to follow Jesus. I mean, basically, both of my older daughter's husbands may have only decided to look into Jesus so they could date my daughter's. And I can't really blame them, you know, but the good news of Jesus turned out to be more important for them and getting to marry my daughters just became gravy. And you know, I'm kidding a little bit. They just didn't know. Okay. And every decision that we made for our daughters was based on the vision that we had for them so that when they got to the point where they were in high school, they were making their own decisions based on what God's picture looked like for them. And they carried it forward. And they will be helping my grandchildren understand what the big picture is and helping, and so will I, helping them see the big picture so that when they get grown up, they can make the oh no to oh no calls when they have to and they can say, I'm doing a great work, I cannot come down and they can head towards what God wants for them to do. In every area of your life, when you allow God to give you a clear picture what could be and should be, then any decision becomes easier. Anything that contributes to what God has in mind is a yes, and anything else is an oh no. And some of you need to put that statement where you can see it. Maybe at work, when you're tempted to pick up the phone and tell your spouse that you'll be home late from work again, just look over at your family picture on the credenza and whisper to yourself, I'm doing a great work at home, I cannot come down. And stand up and grab your car keys and head for the car and go. For some of you who are single, you've set standards that are high. And maybe you haven't always had standards that are high, but you have a clear picture of the type of marriage that you want to have and the type of husband or wife that you want to have. And the phone rings, and it's that guy or girl that used to be in the picture before you had this vision, and they don't fit into the picture now because you have a new vision, and they shouldn't even be in the frame of the picture. You need to put this verse on the phone wallpaper that says, oh no, I'm not going to oh no. I'm doing a great work and I cannot come down. Some of you are in high school and the pressure is immense to play along, play around, and just do whatever. You have a picture in your mind of what God wants of your life, of purity and of freedom and, and, and of grace and of all the things that God wants for you to do. And you need to have that verse there, I'm doing a great work and I cannot come down. So that's the vision, okay? What are the distractions? The distractions. Have you ever noticed how easily 
We get distracted, said the guy with ADD, especially when the task at hand is so important. Distractions are, are, are the things that the devil gets us easier with than anything else. It's like pulling up to this stoplight. You're like, I, I don't know, what am I supposed to do, right? How's this going to work? And we learn from Nehemiah that distractions come in three forms. And this is the one that always gets me. Opportunities, okay? Opportunities. Every day of your life, you have opportunities that come along. Things that you could do. In my world, the opportunities uh, with the greatest potential to distract me are really good opportunities. To go do something or to go speak somewhere or whatever, they're good opportunities. And if Nehemiah would have accepted Sanballat's invitation, and it would have been a good one, it still would have distracted him. It still would have killed his vision. Ladies, as you struggle with the temptation to squeeze one more good activity into a schedule that is already bursting at the seams, think about your family and whisper to yourself, I'm doing a great work, and I cannot come down. For every vision, there are plenty of distractions. Be careful that you don't let good opportunities rob you of the joy of seeing your vision. Now, obviously, the, the next one is criticism. Um, Nehemiah was seriously criticized by Sanballat. Uh, it was spreading a rumor that Nehemiah was trying to establish himself as king of Judah. And nothing could have been further than the truth. That's what, that's what you know, criticism does, right? It, it takes something that might be and it throws it out there and everybody goes, huh, I wonder if that's true. That's a danger to your vision. And the emotions that get dredged up from, from, the, from distraction of criticism are amazing. Because trust me, I'm there, right? But instead of grabbing the sword and marching off to find Sanballat, right? Nehemiah challenges his frustration to God. I wish I had time to read you the whole prayer. Basically, the whole prayer is, God, please blow that guy up, okay? Literally, like, please blow that guy up, okay? But then here's the one I can quote to you. I'm, he says, oh, God, just strengthen my hands. Whatever they're saying about me, whatever, whatever you know, they don't like, just strengthen my hands. I'm doing a great work, and I cannot come down to their level, if you will. God, you take care of my reputation. In the meantime, I'll continue to do what brought me, what you brought me here to do. Moms, you're going to get it. You're going to get the criticism. If you don't let your kids have a phone when all their friends have a phone, you will be criticized. If you don't let your kids do what other kids do, if you don't let them stay up as late or watch the same shows or play the same video games, you will be criticized. If you decide to make the family a priority over your business and begin to cut back your hours, you may be accused of not having what it takes in the marketplace. Stay-at-home moms are often accused of doing so because they don't have any marketable skills. Working moms are criticized for not caring enough about their role. You can't win on this one. So the Apostle Paul encouraged us, faithful is he who calls you, and he will bring it to pass. I'm doing a great work, and I cannot come down to their level. But the big distraction, opportunities, criticism, is fear. In addition to, to that, okay, Nehemiah is placed in a life-threatening situation. As a matter of fact, at one point, there's a, there's a time when they're literally building the wall and, and, the, and, the, and the text says that they've got a, a trowel in one hand to work on the brickwork of the wall and a sword in their other hand in case the enemies come. And I love that picture. 
I'm going to build and I'm going to defend at the same time, right? So Sanballat is at work behind the scenes, and now he's getting scared. So he's starting to do things that would frighten most people, should frighten Nehemiah. He's starting to make threats. He's starting to talk about bringing an army up against him. But Nehemiah is embracing the vision, and the vision has embraced him, and he did not let fear take over. He said, I'm doing a great work. I cannot come down. If I need to hold a sword over here, I will, but I'm not going to let go of the trowel. There's something bigger at stake here than my safety. Every vision involves elements of the unknown, right? There's always the what-if scenarios. Well, he's not exactly what I'm looking for, but what if nobody else comes along? Well, I really need to quit, but what if I can't find another job? Well, I know I need to say no, but what if it costs me my bonus? Well, I know God wants me to initiate this relationship, but what if they reject me? And then there's the big one. What if I fail? Fear can cause us to begin evaluating our situation based on what bad thing might happen rather than what good thing we want to see happen. So don't allow your fear of the unknown to cause you to miss out on the vision of what God wants you to do. Don't allow God's vision for you to be robbed because of fear. Your vision of marriage, your vision of your finances, your relationships, your career, your ministry, whatever it is. Be prepared for criticism and fear to enter the picture. It did for Nehemiah. It might be scary. It might put you up to criticism. It might be in a great opportunity, but if it's not this, I'm doing a great work and I can't come down. How do you do this? Um, the plan is be willing to pray. Um, Nehemiah spent months in prayer before he ever did anything else. Pray, God, I want my finances to be the way you want my finances to be in three or five years. Show me what that should be. I want my marriage. I want my career. I want my, my service to you. You fill in the blank. God, show me the picture so I can put the puzzle together. Just pray. Number two, write it down. I'm going to let you hear from Mike Singletary again in just a minute because I've got a video clip of it. So powerful, unbelievably powerful that he went in his room and wrote down his goals, wrote down his dreams for what he wanted to be and who he thought God wanted him to be. It can be as simple as a sentence or a paragraph that says, here's what the bullseye is. And maybe you've had that and you're in a new span of life like I am. I'm I've got a guy that helps me rewrite my life plan every few years, and I'm going to see him again in June. I always take all the help I can to try to find out what the big picture vision is for God in my life, and sometimes it changes. And then, very simply, act accordingly. Start to make decisions about what could be and should be that picture, what it looks like. Anything that moves you towards that target is a yes, and anything that moves you away from it is an oh no. And if you'll begin to think this way, finding God's will will become so much easier because the clearer the vision, remember, the fewer the options and the easier the decisions. I'm doing a great work and I cannot come down. So I'm going to actually close and then we're going to go into a, a song together. Um, 
because Mike did such an awesome job, and sometimes he said something at one service and didn't say it at another, and I know a lot of you didn't get a chance to hear it. It was a little bit about his mom that I thought was super powerful, and then a little bit about the vision, and then we'll come back and worship together. And uh, my mom knew me very well, walked in the kitchen and said, son, I know you're hurting. I know you're confused. Sit down. Let me, let me talk to you about what life is all about. And I sat down and she began to tell me that greatness was in me. She said, I knew it when you were born. There was something very special about you, but you'll never see it if you give up now. She said, the key to life, son, is when you fall flat on your face, is to get up, get back in the ring, dust yourself off, and just keep swinging. You just got to keep swinging and, and keep swinging until one day, you're the only one left. That's what life is all about. And then she put her hands on my forearm and she asked me the question that changed my life. She asked me if I could become the man of the house. She said, I know it's not fair. I know you're only 12 years old, but I need to know. I need you. I need you to be the man of the house. Now, I'm thinking, I'm saying, Mom, this is a bad choice. I've already made up my mind. Um, but when I looked in her eyes, I saw that she believed in me. And when was the last time that you had someone look you in your eyes and they really believe in you? I don't think I remember anybody doing anything great ever without having setbacks and pitfalls and, and uh, things in life that you, you didn't know if you could ever overcome. And to me, the older I get, the more I realize that it's those things that are markers in our lives that allow us to realize that we have what it takes to make it there. Yes. yes. And, and we have something special about us if we will grab it, if we will reach for it. But oftentimes things happen to us and we feel, well, man, that didn't go well. Maybe I, I better leave it alone and, and we can talk ourselves out of it. And that's why it's so important that, you know, if we have something in us and, and when something doesn't go the way it should go and when something goes just totally off the, the path, that should be the sign that the direction that we're going is the right way. It's the right way. It's that road that's less traveled. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, God has put something in each and every one of us. And if we don't talk ourselves out of it, we have a chance to do things that are, that are just so much bigger than us if we will give ourselves the chance to believe. Hey, would you stand and sing with us that in the lowest valley or on the highest mountaintop, we're still going to say yes to Jesus. So come on and sing with us. Cause I count on one thing The same God that never fails Will not fail me now No, you won't fail me now Cause in the waiting The same God who's never late Is working all things out You're working all things out Oh yes, I will you high 
guys can go ahead and have a seat. Hey, we're going to continue to worship our God through communion. And so hopefully when you came in, you're able to grab one of these packs. Uh, if you've never used one of these before, there's two layers. There's one layer for the wafer and then a second one for the juice. But I love communion because it moves us in the direction of God, right? It can take moments of bitterness and resentment and move us towards moments of joy and peace when we just stop and remember this incredible love that God has for us. So let's take a moment now just to consider all that we've heard to be thankful, and then I'll come back out in a moment. We'll take communion together. Friends, this is the body of Christ given for you. Take and eat. Now the blood of Christ shed for you. Take and drink. Let's pray together. God, when you stepped into our world, you gave us a roadmap. You gave us a way to live this life and it was supposed to be in relationship with you. And because you've died for our sin and you've risen again, you've given us the ability to do that. Uh, so God, as we leave today, help us to remember that you're with us in all of it. And that's because you love us. God, as we leave, help us to love the people around us the way that you've loved us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. On a day like this, the easy thing would be to buy you flowers and bring you breakfast in bed. But instead, instead I want you to know that I see you. I see your strength, I see your courage, I see your truth. I see you. In the face of death, you stand to fight, unguarded and unarmed. In the face of death, you choose to live. In the absence of enough, you stretch your resources, not only to care for yours, but to provide for others. At home and at work, anywhere you go, you find a way to be mom to nieces and nephews and cousins and friends, sisters and brothers, and then to parents. You keep the circle of life together. Sometimes you don't get it right. And at times you fall. And at a loss you cry. And you feel like giving up. And you feel like you're not enough. I need you to know that you are enough. You are mother. You are more than enough. And may the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. 
and may he give you his peace.